Mike here, spending a little Wellness Wednesday time with our buddy, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic, who is counting down the days until the release of his new book, The Great Age Reboot, which is really, it's almost here, Doc. I can't believe we're so close. It's going to be January when the books are delivered January 4th. Um, that's what they tell us now. You know, the because of the pandemic, everything got delayed. It was due out last April when we first started. So uh, who knows whether it'll get delayed again. But it, as of now, um, you can pre-order it no matter what, um, whether it's January or March on Amazon. I, I hope it comes out earlier because this is a primo opportunity. So many supply chain issues are, are messing with Christmas and the new year. And even in England, where they're worried they're not going to have enough Christmas turkeys, maybe everybody could get the Great Age reboot for Christmas. <laughs> That's Christmas. a great idea. I'm just you can get it delivered electronically as well, right? Yeah, I'm a helper. I'm just trying to help, Doc. Uh, so much great stuff in the news today and in your research today. Before I dive into it, just quickly, the United States has said anybody coming here who has the... Uh, the Russian Sputnik vaccine, that one won't count if you're trying to show us a vaccine passport. Is that due to uh, the effectiveness or what's going on there? Yeah, it doesn't get a, a protection against the infection or even asymptomatic infection. It doesn't protect uh, because it doesn't generate a very strong antibody response to the what is called the neutralizing antibodies, mm -hmm. it was uh, as as you probably remember, it was made fairly quickly. It was either first or second on the market with the Chinese vaccine, and, and uh, neither generate a huge neutralizing antibody response from um, what the data from um, countries that were not uh, called Russia, um, was said, <laughs> meaning um, when they looked at the response in other countries to that vaccine, either there was something different about its production that got exported or it just wasn't very effective. The integrity of data is really such a key element to us trusting stuff. And, you know, the trust measuring of all the information we get often depends on who's sending it to us and what country's sending it to us. And I, I wish we could have a, a trustometer that we could put put on countries so we know whether or not the data's good or they're just trying to make themselves look better. That's just one of the wishes I have. Uh, Doc? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I should tell you, the FDA does that. So the FDA accepts study results from certain countries and not from others based on the history they have and the audits they have. And so one of the things that is very good about the way our FDA uh, works is that it has a real history of auditing this in other countries, auditing the quality of scientific data. Um, and so there are countries where a lot of the data is what the head scientist wants goes on the paper 
um, independent of what the patient's symptoms or results are. So that's why the FDA is very careful and um, requires uh, only the data from certain countries and even only the data with certain uh, what are considered um, research organizations um, that is clinical research associations is collected or is, is, is accepted. That's great to know. That really is great to know, and it does help us because, you know, the FDA doesn't want their reputation besmirched because they gave a rubber stamp or a green light to something that they should not have. Uh, Doc, I want to get into your research here. My wife has a friend, and I'm not going to mention the name of my wife's friend, who is the trendiest person we know. And the latest trend is, oh, we've replaced sugar with maple syrup. We everything, and to the point where... This person carries maple syrup with them wherever they go. When we're out in a restaurant, we're at somebody's house. Maple syrup, and they are the maple syrup, uh, uh, I guess, evangelist. Is maple syrup better than sugar? Well, from a disease risk standpoint, no, because it raises your blood sugar. It is simple sugar. And it is the, the both the peak and the chronic level of simple sugar in your blood that is associated with inflammation, that is associated with arterial plaque, liver, um, if you will, uh, fat, and uh, even dementia and cancer. So it is that simple sugar that feeds those, especially during the daytime. Those, so... Maple syrup, if you want to say, is it does it have polyphenols that are healthy and benefit and might fight disease? Yes, it is a little better in that sense. But if you're looking at it, is it better than, for example, eating an apple, or is it better than um, using, if you will, a uh, non-sugared something that doesn't raise your blood sugar level? Um, the answer is no, um, it is a simple sugar. Okay, good. I, I can keep laughing inside. I will not I will not lord this information over, but quietly I will be uh, just because they have to make room to carry the maple syrup, the little bottles of maple syrup wherever they go. Um, interesting story in your research. Number 15, women may be more willing than men to donate organs. Right. This was a survey done over a large number of people, and it turns out that women not only are the largest organ donor groups, but 60% um, of women sign up for organ donation as opposed to 40% of men. And it isn't fear of dying that changes it. Um, it is when you delve into it, it is... Um, either lack of knowledge about how the process works or it is um, they want their body intact at burial. Um, so there is there are many and the, the reason this is done is there are many thousands of people who die every year waiting for a transplant. Mm -hmm. And when one agrees to do that, um, the benefit is they can, if you're healthy enough, they can take your um, lens of your eyes, they can take the corneas, they can take 
the uh, the cornea, which is a key part of the the eye. They can take your lungs, your heart, your liver, both your kidneys, um, even sometimes your pancreas and intestine. So there are in, you one one person signing up can help many people. Um, if you will, usually about five, if you will, to get an organ they need. And we're short worldwide of organs and especially in the United States. And so um, the donation, obviously, um, most of the people who donate die of sudden traumatic brain injury, such as in a motorcycle rider who gets in an accident and isn't wearing a helmet they can have a brain death without anything wrong with the rest of their body. And so they can, all of those organs are available from them. So the interesting thing is that women are about uh, 50%, 60% versus 40% willing to sign the donor cards when Mm -hmm. you approach them. I I love this. I have a buddy who gave a kidney to a stranger last year, and it's one of my favorite stories the last Uh, 10 years because it was a complete stranger and that guy's life has been changed dramatically as has my friend the donor i've got about a minute left doc uh last week we talked about how many steps and it was four thousand was the baseline to kind of get healthier and now uh, there's something here about ten thousand steps well the data is the the data came out that um, maybe you only need 4,000 to start to get healthier. And that's true. Anything above zero gets you healthier. And we know what happens is when you stimulate a muscle, you change which of those genes in the muscle is on. And some of those genes that you change are producing things that go away from the muscle and make you healthier. Nevertheless, 10,000 is that magic number. This is uh, important. Uh, Now I have to up my game. Dr. Michael Roizen with us every week, and you need to go and order his new book, The Great Age Reboot, so you'll be ready when the new year starts. And, you know, you won't have to mess with the Christmas turkey if you're in England. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. 